0: Hello and welcome to the Healthy Herb Podcast, a place of information and inspiration for the home herbalist. I'm Bridget Doherty of the Soladago School of Herbalism, coming to you from a bridged island on the coast of Maine. In today's show, I'm talking about burdock, a food, a medicine, and is often maligned for its burrs and weediness, but is one of my very favorite herbs. Before we get started, I want you to know that I'm not a doctor, nor do I diagnose or treat people. What I share is based on my own experience and what I've learned from my mentors. Ultimately, I want you to be empowered in seeking and achieving your own version of optimum health. I want you to be inspired to connect and relate to the common plants that grow all around you. Together, let's make home herbalism be as common in the everyday household as cooking a healthy meal. Now, without further ado, let's have some fun and dig in. Burdock. Oh boy, do I love this plant. Although many people are not such a fan, including my sweetheart. Anytime I say, save my burdock patch, don't touch it, he just rolls his eyes and wishes it wasn't even there. My daughter basically she doesn't mind burdock, but she knows anytime she gets one of those burrs stuck on her pants that she she immediately starts getting itchy and has to run inside and change her clothes because it is true. The burrs, which are one of the main identifying and known aspects of this herb, are irritating and they latch on. They have little hooks on them that latch on to hair and clothing and animals and they can actually be relatively irritating, but it's a really great way for the plant to spread its seeds all around. Burdock is named uh, botanical names. It It has multiple species, most of which can be used interchangeably. There are three more common species. The main one that I know and relate with is Arctium Lappa, which is the greater burdock, and it's the large and very common burdock. And then there is an Arctium minus or minor, and this is the lesser or otherwise known as common burdock. And then there's the Arctium tomentosum, which I've never seen, but is in a lot of books, and it's the woolly burdock. And it has the burr on it looks uh, woody, I mean woolly, which may be in one reason why, the na- why it's named Arctium. So arctium means bear, or it's from the Greek word arctos, which means bear. And lapa means to seize, or it could be from a Celtic word lap, which means hand. So it's the bear's hand, or the bear that seizes. And they could be referring to the largeness of the plant and the intensity of it, like a bear. Um... Or it could be that it looks, the burrs look like a bear and that it grabs onto us. Some people like to um, associate it with the bear's association with medicine and shamanism and that the burdock kind of embodies that. Burdock, the common name burdock, um, is from beurre, a French word for butter. And... Also potentially could be from the Latin burra, which is a la- a lock of wool. And as we know, like wool, or I know from f- have having felted a lot wool, sheeps will have hooks and barbs on them similar to the Velcro nature of the burdock seed. And that is why they can like shrink together and form felt, a really thick fabric. Um, and they can... They shrink together by rubbing them. But it was probably more likely caught from the word uh, butter, the French word butter, because women in France would wrap their butter cakes with burdock, with cool burdock leaves to take their butter to market to keep it cool and from melting. Although I do have to say burdock leaves are extremely bitter and even just that's one way I can identify or I I teach people to identify the plant is all you have to do is touch the leaf and then touch your finger to your tongue and you will have a really strong bitter flavor that just like rubs off from the leaf. So hopefully that bitter flavor didn't rub off on all of that lovely butter. And the burdock is in the Asteraceae family. It has a flower that looks similar to a thistle flower. It's made up of a lot of little tiny flowers, which is kind of the commonality of the Asteraceae family, the composite flowers. The family used to be called the Compositae family. Burdock is originally from the Eurasia, the Europe and Asian continents. And is naturalized now in North America and also around the world. As we can tell, it travels well. It, those burrs can really stick to things and make their way over oceans on boats, either on animals or fabric or whatnot. It Travels well. Interestingly enough, you know, I love talking about the history and the folklore and legends behind plants and burdock really doesn't have much that I could find, um, behind it. And we have to wonder what, why that is. And, you know, maybe it's not, it doesn't have a huge, beautiful flower. And there isn't even like a lot of written history about it that goes far back, um, maybe in China and Japan, but, At least in the European history, it wasn't really written about until, you know, relatively recent history. There was one story that I didn't I don't remember what book I read this in and I kind of poo-pooed it, but I keep coming coming back to my mind. It's like this really funny image of there was I think it was probably in the UK somewhere. Historically, in a village, there was a ceremony where a man would dress up. It would be the burdock man, and he would dress up in a suit that was completely burdock burrs. And for me, like this just gives me, like, makes my whole body itch just thinking about this. But he would dress up in a suit and he'd be totally covered in burdock burrs. And he would walk through the streets of the village kind of as a collecting all of the, you know, maybe evilness or bad energies or however people were talking about things that they didn't like at that time and would collect them onto the burdock suit in a more of an energetic way. And then there would be a ceremonial burning of the burdock suit afterward which is kind of cool. And maybe maybe this ritual could be incorporated in a smaller way. Maybe if you wanted to have some a release of some energetics that weren't really working with you or working for you, then uh, maybe you could create a little burdock creature or doll or pendulum or something that could absorb and attach these two and then have a ceremonial burning of it to release that could be fun just it just know that touching and handling those burrs can it's it's tricky business because they find a way of getting in hair especially long hair and they the hairs that surround all the seeds inside those burrs can be really itchy and irritating in, especially if you breathe them into your lungs or just on your skin. That was, uh, an official medicine in the United States pharmacopoeia in, from 1831 to 1916. And then was also official in the national formulary from 1916 to 1945. So in the United States, um, In the colonized United States, once it had made its way here, burdock became a known remedy and medicine. And the First Nations people here also quickly incorporate it into their healing practices as well. So I've talked a little bit about the plant. I think a lot of people know burdock has these round burrs. It also has these really large leaves, which is... And they're kind of like a leathery, silvery green—not total silvery, like a dark green leaf. And then the underside of the leaf is is kind of a, has a white fuzz to it, almost. Or a, so you can kind of tell the leaf. A lot of people say you could mistake the leaf for rhubarb, um, and you don't want to eat rhubarb leaves because they are poisonous. But you also really don't want to eat burdock leaves because they taste horrendous. I mean, I guess you could boil them and get rid of the water multiple times, but a lot of people talk about it being an edible green and I just, it just, for me, I did try it once and I will never (laughs) try it again. It's just not worth it. The root, however, is a nice, has a long, deep taproot, sometimes I mean, I, there are stories of it going like really, really, really deep into the ground. And gosh, I want to say I've even heard stories of it going like 10 feet into the ground. I could be wrong on that, but it does. It has this really strong penetrating root that likes to grow in compacted, gravelly, disturbed soils. And that is the that is where a lot of the food and the medicine is. The stalk before it blooms um, is also used as a food. It has almost, looks almost like it could be a celery stalk, and you want to just take the outside skin off of the stalk because it's probably bitter and tough and fibrous. But then the inside is like a white, tender shoot that's, that's often compared to asparagus. And it's a biennial. So the first year of, you can often find a burdock patch just by finding like the old um, stalks that have the burrs on them that are already dead perhaps, or the new, you know, the second year growth. So it's a biennial, it lives for two years. The first year, it's just a basil rosette of very large leaves on the ground. And then the second year, it sprouts up its stalk. As almost essentially turning its root into its, into its stock or taking all of the nutrition and life force from the root and creating this huge stock that is loaded with uh, bur- you know, s- flowers and that then turn to seed heads that contain a vast amount of seeds. Ideally we work with the root of the plant that is harvested in the late fall. This is actually prime time to harvest burdock root or of the of the first year, so when it's just the basal rosette or in the very early spring of the second year when the leaves are just starting to emerge from the from the ground. Burdock has a lot of nice healing actions to it and it's i think it's one of the great things about burdock is that it is an alternative and this i have talked about in multiple other episodes i love herbs that are alternatives because they basically have the ability to alter stubborn chronic conditions in the body by working to improve the functioning and support the organs of metabolism and elimination so they tend to have affinities with the lymph system. They tend to have affinities with the liver and the kidneys and by also improving digestion and assimilation of nutrients. And burdock offers all of these benefits. Historically and even today, a lot of people would claim burdock to be a blood purifier or a blood cleanser. But it basically catalyzes or supports the release of waste material from cells. And then it also supports the organs that have to move that waste material or the lymph that moves that waste material to the organs of elimination and then helps it to be eliminated from the body. So it's not like Burdock goes in with a scrub brush and starts cleaning your blood. It's not, you know, our blood isn't. Necessarily dirty, but it helps the body to more efficiently get rid of things that it doesn't need anymore or that it never needed to begin with. Not only does it help us to eliminate things that we don't need, but it provides us with nutrients that we do need. So it is also known as a nutritive tonic. It's because of both of these properties, it's also considered to be a rejuvenator and a very deep healer. And it provides longevity and even sexual vitality. It because of this bitter nature, it is a digestive bitter and so it helps to improve the whole process of digestion. It also um, supports our the microbes in our intestines and so helps with assimilation as well of nutrients. It is uh, both demulcent and emollient, which means demulcent kind of internally soothes and heals mucous membranes, and emollient is externally heals and soothes the skin. It's anti-inflammatory, so we know that many chronic conditions in today's world can come from uh, chronic states of inflammation, and the more anti inflammatories or inflammation modulators that we can get into our diet and into our body, uh, the better off we'll be. The fresh roots have a small amount of volatile oil in them. And so, if they are utilized fresh or preparations are made with the fresh roots, they can have a diaphoretic action from the volatile oils, which helps to potentially break a fever, open the pores, and um, assist in a a light sweat. They also have a diuretic action as well. Again, they can nourish and support the kidneys, but the fresh root can also specifically have a diuretic action and the seeds even more so. There are some people out there that say if you already have low blood pressure or if you're taking medication to lower your blood pressure, just to be aware of this, um, because it because of its diuretic action, it could also lower blood pressure more. However, it, the burdock root does contain potassium, which is one of the concerns if you are if you're taking too many diuretics that you will wash out your potassium and other electrolytes, and that can cause major problems in the body. but it's nice to have herbal diuretics that actually replace minerals. And hydrate as well as help the kidneys to eliminate what it doesn't need anymore. So burdock essentially has affinities with the lymph, the intestines, the liver, the kidneys, our lungs, our skin, our blood. It's like a full body tonic almost. It also has like a really nice cooling energetics and can soothe and clear internal heat. So if you, Generally, like hot conditions or like really stormy temperaments, Uh, burdock can be grounding and help to bring some emotional equilibrium, some physical power, and some uh, glandular and immune health along with all of that. It tends to be uh, kind of slow working in action, which a lot of these alternatives are. It's not a stimulant or a sedative. So it's more of like a nutritive tonic. So it can take time to really alter our body toward a more healthful state. Although in some things like a digestive bitter, it's gonna have an immediate reaction in that sense. But for more like chronic conditions, expect burdock to take a longer time to work and be willing to persevere with it and to not give up after a month of taking it To actually keep going. It might take up to three months or maybe even a year before you start noticing a lot of benefits from the burdock. So give it a solid chance if you are going to start working with it. Constituents. So burdock is tends to be, especially, well, the root of burdock is very high percentage of inulin. Could be up to 50% inulin, anywhere between 25 and 50% inulin. And the inulin is a sugary starch. It's a starch that the body does not recognize as sugar. So it can help to modulate glucose in the body or our blood sugar reaction. And, but what does eat it, so we don't eat it, I mean, we eat it, but we, our intestines wouldn't know what to do with it, but the microbes in our intestines totally know what to do with it, and they eat it and love it. so it's a what's what's known as a prebiotic, where it is food for the life that is living within us, and for that reason, it can have some um. Sometimes I feel like if foods have too much inulin or a lot of inulin like Jerusalem artichokes and our gut bacteria get super excited about it, um, sometimes it can cause some gas in the gut. So just be aware of that. If you're getting too much inulin, sometimes it can cause some excessive gas cramping and farting. So burdock root also has a fair amount of protein. It can have up to 12% protein and it does have some mucilage, 5 to 12% mucilage. It's got a large range of vitamins, including vitamin A, um, some B vitamins, and vitamin C. It is even more so full of minerals. So it has the macro minerals and the micro minerals that we need. So, like calcium, magnesium, zinc, selenium, potassium, chromium, iron, silicon, and then it even has some flavonoids in it as well. So, some nice antioxidants. It also contains um, a couple chemical constituents that have been scientifically studied, isolated, and studied. One is arctogenin, which is been shown to inhibit tumor growth and formation of cancer cells in the laboratory and cause apoptosis, which is um, cancer cell death. And it also contains oxyacetylene, which is a known antimicrobial. It's the antibacterial and antifungal. And this is going to be most effective when harnessed from the fresh root, either in herbal preparations or applied as a topical poultice from the fresh root. I wanted to read a little bit about that arctogenin from Gail Faith Edwards, who's a Maine herbalist and herb farmer in her book, Opening Our Wild Hearts to the Healing Herbs. And this is a really beautiful book. It's a second edition. She has a first edition and a second edition that is just a really nice Materia Medica. So if you have access to this book, check it out. She's on um, Blessed Maine Herb Farm. You can find her as well. Uh, So just this one chapter, one of... I mean, this one paragraph, one of burdock's constituents, arctogenin, inhibits tumor growth and the formation of cancerous cells in the laboratory. First Nations people use it to treat cancer, and it is one of the herbs in the Eziac, a well-known anti-cancer remedy. I combine burdock roots with red clover, slippery elm, and yellow dock roots, parentheses Susan Weed's Wesiac, and have given this formula to numerous people with excellent results, including people suffering from severe side effects of chemotherapy. Daily use of two to four cups of burdock root infusion or 200 drops of fresh root tincture brings slow but steady results. So burdock root, again, so we've talked about it having an affinity for the urinary system supports the kidneys. It can also break down excess uric acid in the joints that lead to gout, so it's a nice remedy for people who are dealing with gout. And then it also helps uh, people who have cystitis or um, you know, inflammation in the urinary system or even a uh, chronic UTIs. It could be an effective remedy, probably with some other stronger anti-infective herbs to boot. It is also an an immune system tonic, so it really helps support the action of the lymph in the body. It also is a long-term immune support that helps people with chronic fatigue and immune depletion, including people who are dealing with uh, HIV, AIDS, and cancer. It's known to have the ability to inactivate mutagenic substances and aid in the removal of them from the body. So those could be, you know, cancer-causing substances. And it's a supplement to other cancer treatments, as in the Easyac formula, or even just on its own. Again, it's a very mild food-like herb, so we don't have to worry about it having like um, opposing actions to cancer therapies and treatments. But it can support the body. Mm. Along with whatever conventional therapies you are also using and working with. As we said, it's a digestive bitter, so it does have a great affinity for the digestive system, improves digestion overall, and it can get the bile secreted like most bitters do, which helps us to break down and digest fats. And then it supports the microbiome with the inulin. Plus, it has the mucilage. Which helps to heal and soothe the whole mucous lining of the digestive tract. This mucilage is also known to be able to bind with metabolic waste, heavy metals, and unwanted carcinogenic compounds that are in the intestines and help to carry them out of the body. This is similar to how seaweed is effective as well in the body, is that it's able, so if our body is you know, has these heavy metals in it or compounds that it doesn't want anymore, but is unable to get them out of the intestines, then they can be reabsorbed back into the bloodstream and keep circulating or then be stored in fat cells. So it's really nice if we have a way to help, if we have something that can help to bind to these compounds that are not healthy for us and really help to pull them out of the body. One reason why fiber in the diet is really good, but also these like mucilaginous polysaccharides are also really beneficial. It is a gentle bowel mover, so it can be helpful in cases of constipation due to its amount of soluble fiber and its bitter nature. Some people find that it might be too much of a bowel mover, and then you can just back off on how much you consume. And if you have just recently been on antibiotics or you're taking antibiotics, the burdock root is a nice way to help to, as a prebiotic, to support and reestablish bacteria back into the gut. talked about the inulin and how it helps to stabilize blood sugar levels. It does this um, because it slows the digestion of carbs, allowing for slow release of sugar. And it itself is an unusable sugar, so it's it's a, a safe one for people who have diabetes or hyper or hypo blood sugar to use. You can actually also these days find inulin as a, suppu- as a supplement or as um, a as sugar that you can add to cooking for people who are diabetic. It's able to reduce inflammation in the mucous membrane of the digestive system. And it's also, it's been found that herbs that are able to reduce inflammation in one mucous membrane of the body can also thereby reduce irritation in other tissues as well. And so this is one thought as to why it can be beneficial in cases of other inflammations like rheumatism, uh, arthritis, or gout in the body. And so it does have this benefit on the musculoskeletal system in helping to reduce inflammation in the joints. It's also been shown to help to reduce inflammation and swelling in the prostate of men. Burdock is really well known as a skin healer. So any type of skin condition, but especially like really dry and scaly and inflamed conditions like eczema, dry eczema, psoriasis, chronic acne. When we work with burdock over a long period of time, so this is where you really have to be willing to put in the time, you might not see immediate results. But if you keep working with it, it can really help to reduce chronic acne or other types of irritating and painful skin conditions. It also uh, has an affinity for hair and hair growth. And this, I think the seeds are mostly known for helping with this, but also the root is beneficial as well. So I think because, again, it has some silica in it, and it also is full of n- nutrients, but it also has an effect, from my understanding, on the hair follicles as well and can help to stimulate them, even in cases of, of uh, hair loss. Uh, balding, or even alopecia. And in that case, um, a topical infused oil of the burdock can be applied to the scalp itself. Burdock root is known to be supportive for women who might have feelings of PMS or menopausal troubles in that it supports our endocrine system and again, it has this like cooling temperament to it that can help kind of cool the intensity and hot anger that can sometimes come with PMS. I mean, I, I don't think that we want to suppress anger. Um, and I think that PMS can, and when we're in those states can actually kind of show us things that are bothering us that maybe we would otherwise maybe push aside. So I don't want to suppress that. But it does just kind of help to modulate that experience, I would say. And not only does it help the endocrine system, but it supports our liver. And our liver plays a huge role in recycling hormones and getting rid of ones that we're done with and creating new ones that we need. And so and in supporting the endocrine system. So if we have too many hormones running through our body, ladies, um, then we can get a little wacky and that's fine. That's normal, but it's not beneficial for us or for those around us. So when our liver is working optimally, we have less extraneous hormones flying around our body that we don't need anymore. In a lot of books, this is one kind of historical folkloric thing about Burdock um, Culpepper, who's a old world white male herbalist, and he suggests that burdock leaf is supportive in cases of uterine or rectal prolapse to help strengthen the connective tissue and this is still uh, thought of today, and that you know the tincture taken frequently of burdock root, can help to support uh, people who are dealing with prolapse. However, Culpepper, the way that he worked with burdock in doing this, is he would take a burdock leaf, and he said by placing it on the head, he could help raise, by placing the leaf on the head of the woman, that he could help raise the prolapse of the uterus, because it would pull it in that direction. Or he could place it on the pelvis, or place it on the feet, depending on where the uterus needed to move, I don't really know if I buy that. Um, I don't really see how on earth that could ever affect what's going on with the uterus. But it's interesting that this was a this was written in his book and then is recopied in a lot of books as like. Saying, like, oh, well, this is what he said. I don't think people that write it in their books today are like, oh, this is what they're said. And so this is what we should do. But from that, it has now burdock is used, is helpful in using uh, for people who have uterine prolapse. And, you know, if you have that, then I don't see why it would hurt to work with burdock. And maybe it would be helpful and maybe not. But definitely also work with um, some physical therapy as well. I will be right back and we'll talk about how to prepare your burdock root and harvest it. Stick with me and I'll be right back. Well, as I have alluded to earlier in the pod, in this episode, all parts of the burdock are useful for food or medicine, but in my personal opinion, the root is the easiest and my preferred um, part of the burdock to work with. It's easiest and it tastes the best and it offers the most, the largest range of benefits. I find that the leaf is extremely bitter and not something that I want to ingest internally. Some people will apply the leaf topically to help a you know they'll bruise the leaf and apply it topically to skin to help soothe skin irritations or even to help to relieve some pain. And something that's common is uh, infusing the leaf in like taking a whole leaf and rolling it up and putting it in a jar full of vinegar to essentially preserve it. And then you can use that leaf and take it out and apply it as a compress. You can warm it up or not and just apply it as a compress to, you know, sore rheumatic areas or sore muscles or joints. And it's supposed to help to ease that pain. I haven't tried it myself, but um, it's something to consider. And then the seed is also often worked with medicinally. And maybe if you just buy the seed in bulk, it would be easiest because extracting the seed from the burrs is quite a process. Basically, you have to, you know, harvest the seeds and then usually people like put them in a bag and either jump on the bag to help break up the burrs or even drive over it with a vehicle or pound on it with a... rubber mallets or have a bunch of kids jump on the bag, but you don't want the bag to rip and have all the hairs fly out into the air all over the people who are jumping on it. So that's a concern as well. So first you have to do something to break up all of that. And then usually what's done is people will have a big bowl or bucket of water and they'll empty all the contents from that bag into the bucket of water. And all the hairs and the bird material will float to the top and the seeds will sink to the bottom and you can extract the hairs from the top of the water and do this multiple times and eventually just have seeds with no hairs attached that you can dry and work with after they're dried. So, or you could just probably buy a pound of burdock seed relatively inexpensively. And most people, um, I think work with burdock seed, um, by infusing it into oil to use for skin and hair. The root can also be used topically for skin issues. You can um, use a topical wash, like from the decoction of the root or a tea from the root. You can apply that topically or the root itself can be poulticed and applied topically or the root can be infused into oil and then that could be applied topically or added to salves. Some people will also infuse the leaf into an oil and use that as a salve as well. My favorite ways to work with the root is either to make a fresh root tincture um, or a fresh root vinegar, or I will chop the root and dry it. It dries actually pretty easily. And I will um, infu- make a nourishing herbal infusion with it, or I will simmer it as a decoction. I will also uh, cook with the fresh root and I like to roast it, chop it up and roast it with some oil and vinegar and some seaweed and sesame seeds, maybe some sage. It has like a really, really kind of nutty and sweet flavor to it. Slightly bitter. The outer skin is bitter. So if you really don't like the bitter flavor, you can peel off the outer skin. A lot of people will, um, they'll julienne the root and Infuse it, soak it in vinegar or like a dressing that has a lot of vinegar in it and maybe a little oil and then add um, some seaweed or some ginger to make kind of like a Asian slaw because so there's the gobo, which is the cultivated root of burdock that is cultivated in Japan. And you can get in sushi restaurants or you can get at natural food stores usually in the produce section. So when we are when we want the inulin of the root, um, it is water soluble from my understanding. So you, you can get it more, but more from like a fresh root decoction in water maybe than from a dried root decoction in water. You, when you make a tincture with the burdock root, you know, you chop up the burdock root really small and fill a jar with it, the fresh root, and then pour 100 proof vodka to cover the root and fill the jar. Put a lid on it and let it sit for six weeks. And in that time, you'll slowly notice this like really milky white sediment that settles to the bottom. And kind of coats the roots. And that is the inulin that's being extracted. But it's not soluble so it doesn't dissolve into the alcohol. So if you want that inulin from your tincture, make sure that you shake up your tincture um, before you take it so that you get the inulin with your tincture. And same with the vinegar. I have made a really I really like burdock root vinegar. It's delicious and it is also loaded with inulin, and I make it the same way that I make the tincture, but instead I use vinegar that I've preheated to a boil and then brought back to room temperature to extend the shelf life. And then um, the burdock root that soaks in the vinegar can be edible and put on top of salads. And the vinegar itself can be used in salad dressings, and I really like to uh, blend it, blend the vinegar that has the inulin in it with some oil and some other herbs. And it makes like a really beautiful, creamy, rich dressing. I mean, it looks like a ranch dressing. It's so creamy, but that's just the inulin that's been blended up into the dressing. And it's really delicious. I also like to um, make kind of like a vinegar pickle. So you could either do it with the slaw or like the julienne, burdock root or you can do it with like really thin slices of the burdock root and put it in the vinegar and then if you want you can put other seasoning in that vinegar so you know you could do dill or pepper or juniper berries or whatever however you like to you know mustard seeds however you could just do pickling spices if you want some salt if you want and then let that sit for, you know, six weeks. You can even add ginger or garlic if you want. And then that can be like your burdock pickles. And then you can just like keep it in the fridge and use it as a condiment or a topper for salads or a little side on your plate. Burdock root is often worked in formulas. It's I think because it's a slow worker, um, a lot of people like to put it into formulas with other herbs. So some of the herbs that it tends to work well with, I like to work with it plain. I used to always, the only way that I ever knew of burdock was I would combine it with dandelion root and yellow dock root. And so I always had in my mind that burdock root was really bitter because Dandelion root is bitter, and yellow dock root is even more bitter. But they're kind of like the three sisters. They have very similar properties, but with slightly different pers- personalities. And then when I had burdock root by itself, I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually tastes good. It's like the sweeter of the three <laughs> root sisters there. And um, it's kind of nuttier. So I like to just work with it by itself, too. Some people, I think, combine it with dandelion root root. To kind of cut the bitterness of the dandelion root. So like a roasted root coffee substitute or just like a roasted root drink, alterative drink, is often, you know, roasted burdock roots and dandelion roots, maybe some chicory roots, and then simmered together. That's a common pairing. Also, it's worked often with echinacea root in cases of skin troubles, especially if there's thought like uh, acne, if there's thought to be some sort of a, an infection that's also tied with the with the acne. So you'll see that combination a lot. And then also you'll see it combined with red clover blossom a lot. And that's more for its anti-cancer properties because they both are very helpful in that realm. So to make the nourishing herbal infusion of the burdock root, you dry your burdock root first. So the way that I dry it, I said I think I said this earlier, but I chop it up, and I lay it out on a screen or on um, like a brown paper bag, or in a basket that's lined with a brown paper bag, and it ju- and just air dry it, and it dries really quickly and readily. And then I will measure out an ounce of the dried root, and put it in a quart jar and then fill the jar with boiling water and put a tight lid on it. And then I let that steep for eight to 10 hours and I strain it out and drink it. And that would be like a really great way if you're working with trying to heal a skin condition. I think the nourishing infusion is going to be the better way versus a tincture because you really can get more root um, in your system that way and because it is a slow mild worker then that might be more beneficial so that's and then you could also apply that infusion topically as a rinse uh, if you want to make a water a water-based extraction instead of but faster then you could do a decoction which is essentially simmering the root so you could take a tablespoon per cup of water and put it in a pot and bring it up to a boil and then reduce it to a simmer and simmer it from anywhere to 20 to 40 minutes and then strain it out and drink that. And that's going to be more bitter, a little bit less sweet, whereas the nourishing infusion will be a little bit more sweet. So harvesting, harvesting the burdock root now is an ideal time. Anytime after the first frost which we finally got here in Maine. I've been seeing pictures of everyone else around getting frosted, and I'm like, "But I guess I am on the coast." I have to remind myself, so we're a little bit more temperate. But we finally have gotten a frost or two, and so this is the prime time to start digging your roots before we don't get the the ground doesn't hard freeze where I am until into the end of December. So anytime between now and Christmas, basically, you can go out and. Harvest your burdock roots, your dandelion roots, your yellow dock roots. I think for the next few episodes, I'm going to be focusing on some roots. You can find your burdock root patch, and you want to, again, harvest from that first year root, so the root that just has the big basil rosetta leaves. And the leaves will stay pretty visible even after some hard frosts. Sometimes you can find the burdock patch because you can see the seed heads, And then you can be like, oh, I see a burdock over there. And often where there is a second year plant, there will be first year plants around that. Burdock's a plant, it's not like dandelion where it grows everywhere, but it is a common weed and one that is often maligned. So if your neighbor has some burdock root growing, or it can be a garden weed too, then they probably wouldn't mind if you came over and harvested it, if you don't have any in your own yard (laughs) or a local farmer. Uh, you could say, "Hey, do you like, do you mind if I look around your fields for some burdock? You want me to help weed out some burdock from your property?" They would probably be like, "Yes, please, come on over." Again, you want to look at places where the soil has been disturbed, and that also likes relatively moist places, so low-lying places, um, and also fields and meadows. And then, just when you're harvesting it, just You know, knock down all of the tall stems that have the burrs on them because you'll be, you'll bend over and be digging around, and you'll lift your head up, and you won't even realize that you are brushing the neighboring burdock burrs, and you'll just be covered. So, just make sure you knock down all of those, and then that helps to spread its seeds. Right, burdock is one of those plants that if you leave one part of the root. Left in the soil, it will regrow, which is one reason why it's a maligned weed from farmers and gardeners. So, this is a plant that is actually really hard to harvest the entire root, usually, unless you're harvesting like first year early summer roots. So, it's like the younger roots, then you can usually harvest the whole root, but they're going to be a lot more bitter and not have hardly any inulin in it. The inulin is right now, like the burdock is really storing, creating and storing lots of inulin because it is its food. It is what allows it to grow so large and huge in the following year and to produce thousands of seeds. And the inulin is going to add to the sweetness of the root. So harvesting it now gives you the most amount of inulin possible. And you just, it's, you know, just know that you're probably not going to get the whole root. And in some ways it's like, oh, that's sustainably harvesting because I'm not totally killing the plant, but I'm still getting some nice chunky parts of the root. And it will, the root will kind of latch on and grow around rocks. So it really likes this like rocky soil. And it's, so it's hard to harvest the whole, the whole root because it kind of will grab onto and grow around and then under the rocks. But harvest as much of the root as you can of a plant and then put it in a bucket of water to rinse and clean. And then it has, so it has kind of like a black, dark brown outer skin that's kind of rough. So sometimes, especially if you're going to be cooking with it, you kind of have to use a scrub brush to get all of the dirt off of that. Or some people prefer to peel that. And then you can pat it dry and make whatever fresh root remedy you want or chop it up and dry it. Burdock root is so beneficial for the soil. So if you see soil that is really lacking in nutrients and compost, you can take some of those burdock's burrs and seeds and spread them in that gravelly area. And they'll take hold and they'll dig their root way down deep and harvest minerals from deep in the soil, and then bring them up into their large leaves, and then the large leaves die uh, back, leaving all those minerals right on the surface of the soil, as well as all of that organic matter from the plant. So it's really beneficial for improving soil quality. So I hope that this episode has inspired you to go out and Find your local burdock patch and harvest some roots and play around with them as food and as medicine and keep me posted as to how it goes. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. And if you appreciate me too, I would love an easy five-star rating on the iTunes. It's as easy as just clicking a button. And if you are so inclined, a short review would be awesome. Helps people find the podcast more easily and helps get herbal medicine back into the hands of the common person because herbal medicine is people's medicine. And the more that we can share our information and knowledge and wisdom about the plants, the healthier we will all be. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, my website, all with the tag Soledago Herb School. And Healthy Herb Podcast also has an Instagram page. You can sign up for my newsletter, which offers informational and inspirational herbal tidbits. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Bridget Doherty. Until next week, be well, let intuition guide you, and have fun with herbs.